Ephesians chapter 5. I don't know what your uh, particular take on holidays are. Uh, some people like to celebrate holidays and others don't. Uh, through the years, I've kind of developed a, uh, a division of holidays. You know, uh, some are distinctly, distinctively Christian, of course. I mean, Christmas is the birth of Jesus Christ. You really don't have any basis for celebrating it other than that. Easter, uh, we celebrate the resurrection. <clears throat> uh, so I've kind of divided holidays between Christian holidays and Hallmark holidays. Now, Hallmark holidays are the ones that I consider they're basically designed to sell cards. Uh, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Grandparents' Day, Aardvark's Day, I don't know. You know, we have all kinds of those that come around. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's wrong to celebrate those. They're just not in the same category. The etymology of the word holiday, I'm sure you know, it comes from the Old English holy day. Um, so we're kind of entering this, what we call the holiday season now. And I, I always hear at this time of year a great deal of... Uh, Concern among some people that we rush from Halloween to Christmas and we just pass over Thanksgiving. And I don't think that's true. But if you think about it, really Thanksgiving has to be peculiar to Christians or at least to deists. I mean, thanks is given to a person. If someone does something for you, you say, thank you. You know, you, you don't thank an inanimate object. No reason for that. You know, if this time of year your leaf rake performs admirably, you don't thank the rake, you know, because you're the one doing the raking, you know. Or maybe your wife is doing the raking, your husband. But anyway, uh, so an unbeliever cannot really celebrate thanksgiving they have no one to thank we are those who really for us for us who are believers thanksgiving is every day i remember uh, uh many years ago uh i went and preached in south india for 17 days uh if you want to see real poverty than go to India. Uh, a billion people, uh, some of the things are shocking. Uh, for instance, there was I was in the city of Travandrium, which is down south on the Arabian Sea, and early every morning I'd hear a cart go up the street in front of the hotel, and they were picking up corpses off the streets. People who had died, they'd starved to death, or they died of disease. And they picked them up, took them to the crematorium uh, every morning. That was commonplace. Um, but I remember us going into the home of an Indian pastor. Uh, it was a kind of a wooden slats for walls and a metal tin roof, a dirt floor, no running water. Uh, no, uh, nothing to cook on except a, 
a, a, like a little fire pit with coals in it on, on a corner. And yet these people freely shared with us what they had. And I, I, I thought to myself, these are some of the most thankful people that I have ever encountered. And even when we got back to the hotel we were talking about, there were four of us, and I'll never forget this one young man. He said, but, you know, you look at it, they didn't have anything really to be thankful for. I've thought about that a lot over the years. What are you thankful for? As Americans, we have a tendency to regard thankfulness purely in material terms. We're thankful because we have a, 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 a warm house. We're thankful because we have a dependable vehicle. We're thankful because we have money in the bank. We're thankful uh, because we can go on vacation. And all of that's fine. We should be thankful for that. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But suppose you had none of that. Suppose you didn't have a nice home. Suppose you didn't have a car. Suppose you had no money in the bank. Suppose that uh, you couldn't go on vacation. Suppose that you were subsisting day to day with what food you could scrape up to feed you and your family. Are you still thankful? If you are not, you have some problems. <laughs> because Thankfulness, and we're going to talk about this a little more this morning. Thankfulness is ultimately for that which is ultimate. Someone told me many years ago that real wealth is whatever you have that money cannot buy and death cannot take away. So what do you have this morning that money cannot buy? And death cannot take away. Think about that. Because that is ultimately what you have to be thankful for. Paul had learned to give thanks in all things. Even in adverse circumstances. This man sang hymns with his companions in a filthy Philippian jail. Chained together. And so he had earned the right, I think, to recommend that same attitude of heart to us and to others. And so in his letter to the Ephesians, he says, Be always being filled with the Spirit, giving thanks always for all things unto God. So he gives us a standard of thanksgiving. And again, it is a uniquely Christian concept. As a matter of fact, the, the very word thanksgiving has at its heart the idea of grace. By nature, we are devoid of the grace of God. And therefore, we know nothing of true thankfulness. But when we are regenerated, when we turn in repentance and receive Jesus Christ by faith, when we experience the Holy Spirit, being shed abroad in our hearts, then we, we become possessed of the grace of gratitude. We become those who can give thanks always unto God. And from that point on, 
our standard of thanksgiving becomes God-exalting. Paul says, giving thanks to God the Father. Literally, giving thanks even to God our Father. Addressing the Athenians on Mars Hill, Paul could say, God gives to all life and breath and all things. True gratitude flows from contemplating all that God is in himself and all that he has done on behalf of the human race. Our thanksgiving should be Christ-revealing, giving thanks to God in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ or through the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving is properly rendered to God in the name of Christ not only because he is the one through whom we make our approach to God, but also because he himself constitutes the crowning subject of our thanksgiving. I'm thankful because Christ died for my sins, because he rose the third day, because he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for me, because one day he is coming again to take me where he has prepared a place for me. In other words, true thanksgiving must be confessional. It must confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But Paul says that true thanksgiving, the standard is also time investing. Giving thanks always for all things. He'd already said back in verse 15 and 16, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil, giving thanks for all things. The implication is obvious. When we do not redeem or wisely invest our time, our minutes, our hours, weeks, and years, we are not living lives of thanksgiving. That's a solemn thought when you think about the proportion of our lives that we spend grumbling and complaining uh, and murmuring. <laughs> you know, we, we don't all have the same amount of money, and that's never going to happen no matter wh what anyone else says. No one, there's never going to come that time in this, on this earth, uh, short of the kingdom of God, when we all have the same amount of money. We can't all be, you know, you know, handsome and, and suave and deboner, or I'm, I'm sorry, suave and debonair. You know, we don't all have that either. But we all got 168 hours a week. We all get 168 hours a week. So what do you do with that time? Do you redeem the time? Do you use it for the glory of God? Are you thankful the majority of your time that you have here on earth? Paul is recommending here a, a habitual attitude of gratitude that should characterize the saints of God. Gratitude is an attitude that, like all spiritual disciplines, needs to be consciously developed, deliberately cultivated, in dependence on the Holy Spirit and the grace in which we stand. I think there are some practical steps that you can take to increase your attitude of gratitude. You can make thanksgiving 
a priority in your prayer life. Rather than, than always concentrating on supplications and requests, have a time where you just thank the Lord for all of His mercies, for all of His grace and His goodness. Thank the Lord for all aspects of your salvation, your justification, your adoption as a child, for His sovereign care, for the forgiveness of sin, for the inheritance of the gift of His Spirit. Uh, and you can thank Him for everything that you have in life, even the smaller blessings, if you will. Uh, ask Him to make you sensitive to grumbling, to complaining, which are the polar opposites of a thankful spirit. Paul says here you can utilize spiritual songs to cultivate an attitude of thankfulness. The words of great hymns often move me to thankfulness as I think about the words. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite hymns we sang this morning, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in His excellent word. What more can He say than to you He has said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Think about the words. Think about what he's saying there. What a marvelous blessing to have the Word of God, to know these things, to know that God is not only sovereign, but He is gracious, that He's not only holy, but He's merciful, that He is filled with loving kindness towards His children. I think it's Profitable at times to reflect on those who serve the Lord who are less fortunate than we are. Oftentimes, I think as I walk into a warm home in the wintertime, Lord, there are your children in this world who cannot provide a warm place for their family to be. Why is that? Certainly not because I'm better than they are. All I can do is be thankful. All I can do is appreciate the goodness of God. And then he says it's all embracing. Giving thanks always for everything. Uh, if there was ever a man who had endured hardships for Christ, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, he'd become a regular jailbird. Uh, you know, can you imagine getting a resume from a man to be the pastor of your church? And he says, well, I've been put in jail about every city in the country, you know. I mean, Paul had endured prison. He had been lashed a number of times. He'd fought with wild beasts at Ephesus. In Lystra, he'd been stoned and dragged out of the city and left for dead. He'd been shipwrecked at sea. And yet, he says, giving thanks always for all things unto God. He could lift his heart in gratitude to God whatever his circumstances. Now, I, I think I should note here in passing, these words have, always, have often been misappropriated through a literalness that does great harm to many sincere believers. That is, people have taken giving thanks always for everything to mean giving thanks for those things that are 
beyond or outside of God's character, taking them to absurd, the absurd, thanking God for the murder of a family member, thanking God for the death of a child, thanking God for the financial ruin of someone. That, that's not what Paul is saying. You can thank God in all of those circumstances, but God is not the author of evil. You don't thank God for things that are sinful. Like Joseph, you, who said to his brothers, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good. In any circumstances, you can thank God that he is sovereign and that he is working for the good of his children, no matter how terrible the circumstance is. There are things in life that we are not thankful for, but we are thankful that God is sovereign even in those events. That even then, God is providentially working for our good and for his glory. You praise God for being God. You don't praise God for evil. You thank God for being God. You don't thank God for the evil that is in the world. But having said that, the Spirit does call us to a radical spirit of gratitude. We are to thank God in the midst of difficulties for everything that is consistent with His character, with His nature. Dr. Stephen Olford used to tell the story of a preacher in Scotland many years ago whose name was Toller. And Toller was a man who was constantly grateful. Whatever the circumstances, he would praise the Lord, uh, give thanks to God. And so one Sunday morning, it was pouring the rain, it was cold, it was miserable, and one of his church members thought he won't have anything to say and thanksgiving this morning. And the old preacher got up to the podium and he said, God, I thank thee that every day is not like today. <laughs> they always, there's always something that you can be thankful for. It bothers me a great deal that in America, and even among believers today, we characteristically mourn what we do not have rather than give thanks for what we do have. Well, I don't have as nice a car as he, he does. I don't have as good a house as they do. I don't have as much money as they do. I'm not as healthy as they are. Rather than thank God for what we have, we complain, we mourn what we do not have. That kind of attitude indicates an absence of the filling of the Spirit, perhaps the absence of the Spirit completely. Paul makes it clear in these verses that the giving of thanks is not abstract. On the contrary, it is both an activity and an attitude of life which is biblically informed and spiritually specific. And in this, thanksgiving involves speaking the truth of God. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another, giving thanks. He says, teaching and admonishing. One of the great gifts of the Spirit is the ability to have conversational fellowship. 
to proclaim the Word of God, the truth of God, the goodness of God to others. Then we're to show the joy of God, addressing one another in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks. Obviously, Paul has in mind here both worship and witness. Three categories of praise, psalms, hymns, and songs. And with the worship, there is also an expression of joy. I've noted this a number of times in the 34 years I've been the pastor here. You get close enough to me during the time that we are singing, you will note that I cannot sing. By that I mean I can't carry a tune. You know people who can't carry a tune in a five-gallon bucket? Son, I couldn't carry one in a 16-yard tandem dump truck. But if you stand close to me, you're going to hear me singing. I am not going to pass up the opportunity to express thanksgiving to God in praise and worship in singing these great old hymns. I'm not going to do it. I'm just, I refuse. God has been too good to me for me not to sing, not to give thanks, not to praise Him. And then he says, giving thanks, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Love. Only a thankful heart can truly express the love of God. Thanklessness and lovelessness are fundamentally synonymous. So Paul presses home the fact that our human relationships should be deepened by our thankful and loving lives. And then he gives us the secret of thanksgiving, verses 18 through 20. It comes by the incoming of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Literally, in the Greek, it says, be always being filled with the Spirit. Filling in the Bible has the idea of control. When the Spirit fills your life, you are controlled by the Spirit. And when you are controlled by the Spirit, you will give thanks to God. Be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks. Dr. Hanley Mole renders this, Be filled with a fullness, habitual, normal, always supplied, always received in the Spirit. God in command and control of a person's life. Be filled with the Spirit, giving thanks. Only the Holy Spirit can inspire true thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is something you can't work up. <laughs> Either you are filled with the Spirit and you are thankful, or you are not. You can't work it up. Thankfulness comes when we are controlled by the Spirit of God. For then we can truly see all that we have to be thankful for. Shakespeare wrote in King Lear, How sharper than a serpent's tooth is it to have a thankless child. Well, that's true. Ingratitude in children wounds, sometimes kills. But much more, how unnatural, how repugnant 
is ingratitude in those who say that they have become sons and daughters of Christ. I, I just I, I think there are certain things that are an oxymoron. You know, a sunny, rainy day. Eh, that's usually not true. You know, a heavenly devil. Eh, no. A thankless Christian. No. No, you can't have that. Those, those two don't go together. They are at opposite ends of the extreme. Thanksgiving for the Christian, for the Christian is every day. Every day. So what do you have that money can't buy and death can't take away? I'm thankful that my sins have been forgiven. Money can't buy that. Death can't take it away. I'm thankful that Jesus Christ is my Savior, that my sins have been forgiven because of the work He accomplished at the cross. I'm thankful that He has declared that I am righteous in the sight of God the Father. Money could buy that. Death can't take it away. In a million years, I will still be a justified child of God. For all of eternity, I will have that. Death can't touch it. Money can't buy it. And regardless of whatever my circumstances come in this world, I always have that. I can always be thankful for a gracious and loving and merciful God who has given to me the great gift of salvation. And all that that means. And so every day for me is Thanksgiving Day. We're going to stand and have a word of prayer. Then we're going to sing number 227. Praise Him, praise Him.